purpose. Today we want to talk about the perfect plan. Say the perfect plan. How many of you have ever developed a perfect plan? It may not be anything long term, but you had the perfect plan. At 9 o'clock I have to do this. At noon I have to do this. At 3 o'clock I have to do this. And I'm going to make sure I close out the day. And before I go to bed, I'm going to make sure I do this. That day you had a perfect plan and everything worked out. But do all of our plans work the way that we designed them? No, we don't always have the perfect plan. But there's a man in the Bible whom was the God who was the eye of God's apple, um, the apple of God's eye. He was a man after God's own heart. Who am I talking about? David. David. She, she said David sounded like she said somebody. She said David. But let's, let's take a, a quick glimpse at his past first. David was at a place where he wanted the Ark of the Covenant in his presence. And so, and, and I'm giving you the Reader's Digest version. The cart, the Ark of the Covenant was on a cart. And the, the, uh, the oxen that were pulling the cart shook it and it began to fail. And a man grabbed the Ark. And because he touched the Ark of the Covenant, which was so sacred, God struck him down. Says, you don't touch this. It's not for you to touch. And it discouraged David so much that God would allow this to happen to one of his servants. And God let him know, you you just don't touch what doesn't belong to you. But then when the ark finally got to its resting place, the Bible says that David began to dance and rejoice before the Lord. He was so encouraged that, wow, the presence of God in the ark is right here. And a young lady by the name of Michael, who was Saul's daughter, saw David and despised what he did. And after a conversation, he basically told her, God put me here. God's hand is on me because he took it off of your dad because of your dad's disobedience. But because she talked junk to David, God said, you will be barren for the rest of your life. And she no more, she no longer had any more children. There was a man named Nathan who was a prophet, and he told David, according to the Lord, he says, I'm going to make your name greater than any other name. I'm going to establish your kingdom. He says that even if you sin, he says, I will chastise you, but I will not pull my mercies from you. And your name will go down in history as one of the greatest names that ever lived. David wanted to do honor to the king Saul who had already had died and gone on. And he asked around. Is there anyone in that family that I can show favor to? And there was a servant named Ziba. And Ziba says, yes. Jonathan's son uh, had a son named Mephibosheth. Say it now. Mephibosheth. I could say it yesterday, just not today. But you know, Saul and then Jonathan was Saul's son. Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son. But he was lame in both feet, and David basically told him, whatever you need for the rest of your life, you will be sitting at my table, and I will make sure there was plenty of food, and you will be taken care of for as long as you live. David showed favor to a man's grandson who really wanted him dead. And then, finally, there was a king of the Amorites. The king had died, and his son, Hanan, who was the king then, David said, well, I want to show favor to you. But he said, no, David wants to come spy me out. 
David wants to take over my throne. He wants to take over my kingdom. So David sent men to greet him. He disrespected his men. David said, all right, I'll show you how it is. And basically, David just waxed him. He just waxed him. It's like, I'm trying to do a good thing and establish a relationship with you. So David is on a high. And I mean, we're not talking about he took out a couple of men. He took out tens of thousands of men and their chariots and their horses, foot soldiers. So David is on an all-time high. He is walking with God. David has purpose and David has vision. Can you agree? Have you all ever been in a place where you know that you're laying before God and you're seeking God and he's answering those small prayers and those big prayers? Everything is going right. And all of a sudden, we come up with the perfect plan. The perfect plan. So let's talk about the perfect plan. And let me give you this stipulation right now. You're at Bush Gardens and you're ready to get on the roller coaster and you look over and you see a sign saying, if you are pregnant or below this height, or have any other diseases, such as a weak heart, or respiratory situations, you should not get on this ride, and you're like, I wanted to get on it so bad. But because I'm in here, I'm subject to have some type of condition, or suffer because of my condition. So I want to tell you that don't Not to not have dreams, not to not have a purpose, not to not have a vision. But understand that when you have those, the enemy is going to come against you. Your flesh is going to work against you. So let's put it out there right now. We want to build you up. We want to encourage you. But understand that even in the psalmist it says that, so whatsoever a man put his hand to do, it shall prosper. So I can go over to 7-Eleven. And pick up stuff and say, the, the, what is it, the, the, um, the, uh, the, the, anyway, whatever the unrighteous have is stored up for the rich. The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the rich. So the owner of 7-Eleven, you know, he, he got money, he don't, he don't care. What if I steal a couple of donuts and take me a couple of Slurpees? No, that kind of thing, I can't just put my hand on and make it and expect to prosper. But we have to have the perfect plan. So in 2 Samuel chapter 11, a story that we have heard time and time again. 2 Samuel chapter 11, and I'm reading from the NIV version. It says, in the spring, when the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out of the king's men and the whole army of the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabah. And the Bible says what? But David remained where? In Jerusalem. David had just come back from war. And David was supposed to be at combat now, but he stayed behind. And one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was fine. And David sent. What? David did what? He sent someone that's going to mean something in a minute to find out who she was and that man said she is Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite then David what sent messengers to go get her she came to him he slept with her and then she went back home so the first thing in our perfect plan because I have the perfect plan the the first thing in the perfect plan is we got to get in place 
If you want to have the perfect plan, the first thing you have to do is get in place. Last week when I did a demonstration, and, and I'm, I'm just picking on her again, I had Sister Lori come up, and she was going to dance. And I asked her a few questions, and she immediately went into the spirit mode. She went into the spirit mode. She got in the right place. And I joked with her, but she was in the right place. Her heart came out. I started asking her, is your life like a song? And she began to dance her life like it was a song. We have got to get in place. If you want something to work, you've got to get in place. Now, understand this. And you just on target today. Excuse me, get up. Okay. Can you move on? What do you want me to do? Oh. If I want to be in place, then if I'm in this place, then that means she's out of her place. I can't be in any place I want to be. Now she's out of her place. If you are not in your place, that means somebody else is displaced. There's only one place that God wants you to be, and that's within his divine will. And I'm not talking necessarily about, oh, well, I'm on the usher board, or I work the cameras. I'm in place. Well, what about your job? What about in your own household? If you are not in your place, you're out of place. And when you're not in your place, someone else who's supposed to be in your place is actually displaced. They can't get to where they're going because you're in the way. So if you want your perfect plan to work, you've got to get in place. Maybe it's not meant. The Bible says that promotion doesn't come from the west, the east, or the south. It comes from God. I put in, and I've said this before, I put in for a job about a year ago. Had my resume done up professionally. I mean, I'm like, who is this person? I look good. But I didn't get the job. It was not God's time. That was not my place. And I can't, let's be honest about it, you can't say, oh, well, that's just how they are. They're just going to promote who they want to promote. Well, who is above the promoter? God is the promoter. And maybe I'm just not ready. Maybe God perhaps is looking into my future and sees something greater. How many of you all plan on going to college? You want to go to college? Okay, you got to get things. You have to get now. How old are you, young lady? Huh? You're late. You better get ready. You should have got ready two years ago. But now is the time to start prepping for college. Think how far in advance athletes have to prepare to go to the Olympics. They don't start when they get in, in, in college. They start running track when they're in middle school. It's not, I mean, there are very few exceptions. You know, a guy is seven foot two and is like, hey, can you play basketball? No, but I'm willing to learn. It's like, do you know what basketball is? Yeah, you take the stick and you eat the ball. It's like, no, we're going to teach you, and you're going to be a rich person. There are very few exceptions, but most of us, we've got to get in place. You have got to get in place. And David could not do what he needed to do because he was not in place. The other thing about this story that I find interesting is, Joe, I mean, um, David was constantly sending these messages to Joab. 
And see, this was a time when David should have been there, but he's putting responsibility on someone else. So if they failed, whose fault was it? Oh, it falls on Joab. Because Joab is out there leading them, not the King David. So get in place. Second of all, let's go to chapter 4, I mean verse 4 again. Ready, Mr. Copeland? It says, then David did what? Sent messengers. Wow. David keeps talking to other people by way of other people. He keeps sending these messengers and he keeps dealing with Joab. But the Bible says, and David sent messengers to go get her. She came to him and she slept with him. Then she went back home. Verse 5. It says the woman conceived and then sent word back to David. Why aren't they talking to each other? Why isn't David talking to Joab? He keeps sending messengers. And she says, I'm pregnant. So David sent word to Joab. Why is there all this miscommunication? He says, send me Uriah the Hittite. And this is Bathsheba's husband. And Joab sent him to David. Verse 7. And when Uriah came to him, David asked him how Joab was, how the soldiers were, and how the war was going. Now, let me catch you up. From that point forward, David has his perfect plan in place. He's seen this beautiful woman, found out who she was, sent message word to find out who she was. She comes to him. They lay down together. She gets pregnant. She doesn't know it at the time, and maybe some women do know. But she goes back home. And then he's like, whoa, I got a problem here. I just committed adultery. She's bound to be shamed and accused as an adulteress. So I'm sure she's thinking, whoa, what am I going to do? But not realizing that behind the scenes, David's perfect plan because of his vision and his purpose is in the wrong place. So he says, he gets Joab, hey, have this man go to war. Excuse me, I'm sorry. He sends for this man and tells him, hey, take a break from war. Go home. Be with your wife. She misses you, I can tell you. And she's got a surprise for you. But him being a good soldier goes home and he sleeps on his own doorstep. He won't even go in the house. Then they find out the next day, hey, how is your wife? I don't know. You tell me. Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, never mind. Never, nevertheless, uh, you good? It's like, yeah, uh-huh. But did you stay with your wife? No, I didn't go inside. So he sends them back again. Go see your wife. And he goes back home, but he refuses to go in and see his wife. Then verse 15 says, what? It says, in it, he wrote, he wrote a letter. David wrote a letter, gave it to Joab to give to Uriah. Put Uriah out in front where the fighting is the fiercest. Then withdraw from him so that he will be struck down and die. Because they were told to stay away from the walls of the fortress. Because that's where you're most vulnerable. Stay back. So they made sure Uriah got up next to the wall. And David has a conversation with him later on and says, oh, well, 
There will be some casualties. Some people are going to die. Sorry, Uriah. And then, verse 26, when Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. David could care less because David has what? The perfect plan. David has the perfect plan. And guess what? It's working out. And, you know, we have to be very conscious that with the shooting like in Las Vegas, people get ideas from that. Well, if he did that, then I can do this. And we can sit back and think of all kinds of ways of scheming to do evil. We can think of all kinds of ways. But guess what? This is still going on today. You can find the right person in the right situation and for a few dollars, whatever the amount that might be, you can get rid of anybody you want to. People have the perfect plan. And it's not always about murder. Sometimes it's just about being vindictive. You want to get back at that person. So my second point is this. Be careful what you call right. Be careful what you call right. We can find all kinds of ways of justifying why you cut them off. Because he flipped me off. And the Bible says an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I'm just fulfilling the scriptures. No. With loving kindness have I drawn thee. I can't cut people off like I used to because I've got that bumper sticker on my car now that says I love Jesus. (laughs) yeah personalized plates you can't cuss people out in Walmart because you got an open altar worship center t-shirt on so we have to make sure whatever we're calling right is really right because there's either right or wrong good or evil black or white and I'm not talking about skin color I'm just saying it's either right or wrong There was a story that I read this week. A gentleman had the perfect plan. You know, we have these internet cafes that you can go and play games and and do your homework, whatever you want to do. In Seoul, South Korea, this man went to a gaming convention or event. And one of those where they play games for hours and hours. And he says, I soon became distracted because of this gentleman on the laptop next to me began to slump over. And he fell over on his keyboard, and I was having a very hard time concentrating. How in the world am I supposed to win and get to the next level? And as soon I realized that this man was dead. How dare, and I mean, this is what the man is saying. How dare he die, and I'm trying to get to level five. I'm trying to up to the next level. I can only hope. That by the time that this is over, within the next three or four hours, someone will come and remove his body so that I can concentrate on my game. But if not, and I'm paraphrasing, if not, if no one comes and gets him within the next three or four hours, or at least the management will come and drape a blanket over him. If not, I will take a break and drag his body into the hallway. This man has a perfect plan. His plan is to get to the next level in this game. And granted, the man died from a disease or a condition known as deep vein thrombosis. And I I meant to look it up, but I didn't. And he probably couldn't have saved this man's life. 
But he could have at least had the dignity to say, what can I do to help this situation? He had a vision. He had a purpose. But he also had the perfect plan. Remember, I kept asking you or I kept underlying that David, even in verse 3, it says, David sent someone. In verse 4, it said, David sent messengers. In verse 4, again, it says, David sent messengers. In verse 6, it says, David sent word to Joab. Why are we getting people involved in our perfect plans? Because we don't want to go down by ourselves. Well, he knew about it too. And he know, he, he, he like Deacon Parson. He older than me. He should know better. He didn't stop me. I'm good. No, wrong is wrong. And David is constantly talking to Joab. Joab, put Uriah out in front. Joab, give this message to Uriah. Joab, who is she? She's Bathsheba. Joab, Joab, Joab. David is constantly telling Joab what to do. And who is Joab? He's a servant of David. But guess who sets David straight? We're going we're gonna to find out in a minute. But the question is, you're talking to someone else. But who's talking to you? It's, it's easy to give orders. It's easy to, to, to make decisions that affect other people. But are we willing? Suppose we put ourselves in Joab's place. Do we have a David? And we're like, dude, I ain't running your messages. I'm not your errand boy. And I refuse to be involved in something where somebody can be hurt. Somebody can be killed. Somebody's life can be altered forever. And when we call right wrong and wrong is right, how many times have we seen people, they walk up to him and say, hey, great job, great job, Robert. And I go, oh, yeah, 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 thank you. And it wasn't Robert's idea. Great, man. I appreciate you staying late and making sure all of this stuff got turned on and all this other stuff. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Knowing that I left right after the boss left. Be careful what we call right and what we call wrong. And then, as we wrap up this story, in, we're going to fast forward to chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. And this is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity on you. David has slept with another man's wife. David has gotten the woman pregnant. So as soon as he slept with her, there are ties. It's just there. If they didn't get married, if she didn't get pregnant, but the mere fact they laid down together, there are ties. And I, I remember I almost argued with a man in the barbershop. Just be told. And I said, look, man, when you lay down with a woman, she's with you for the rest of your life. Man, when I, when I, I'm gone, I'm done with her. I'm done with her, man. She, uh, yeah. And I'm like, no, man. I said, they're soul ties. She may not be your favorite. You may not be her girlfriend, but there are soul ties. He lays with her. He gets her pregnant. Then he devises a plot and is very thorough in making sure her husband is killed in combat. So David 
is told by Nathan the prophet that I'm going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives. Wow, your wives. You already had wives and you went and took somebody else's wife. I will take your wives and give them to someone who is even close to you. And this happened. David had a son named Absalom. And Absalom went in and slept with David's concubines. His very own son betrays him. When God says it, God means it. You know the old bumper sticker? God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Or whether we believe it or not, if God said it, that settles it. He says, and I'll do this thing to you in broad light, daylight before all of Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned. David realizes he did not have the perfect plan. He realizes what I really wanted, what I desired most was not God's will. I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. Just that quick. In the next breath, he tells him the Lord has taken away your sin. And that's all God is looking for is a repentant heart. Lord, I had the perfect plan. This woman was beautiful. You made her fearfully and wonderfully. Bling, blinging. She was fine, God. I know I should have been in combat, but I was fighting. And there is, but there is no temptation such as common to man. But even before that, the Bible says, if any man thinks he's standing, David thought he was standing. He said, take heed, lest you fall. But he said, the Lord is taking your sin away from you. Or he's taking away your sins, and you are not going to die. Verse 14. But because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord. The son that you, the son born to you will die. And after Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that who? That who? Come on, y'all, say it. Whose wife? No. She married David. Didn't she? Come on, y'all. Y'all help me out. I know this isn't Bible study, but y'all help me out. She was married to David, right? But God says, no, I refuse to honor your perfect plan. Uriah's wife had a baby, not your wife, David. Let's get it straight. You see those movies where the person says, yeah, man, I just broke out of prison. And that gold I stole, man, I'm going to get it. I'm going to be set for life. It don't work like that with God. We can't sin and gather goods and thinking God's going to bless everything we do. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent, but I'm keeping it. No, it don't work like that. We can't put a plan into place and then say, God, I want you to bless it. This is what I'm going to do, God. And you are going to bless it because your word says you No, God doesn't have to honor everything we do. So he thought this, this was his wife. No, God says Uriah's wife. Uriah's wife. God will always forgive us. But just know 
that he does not have to bless our perfect plan. And my last point is this. If you did it, just admit it. David said, I have sinned. And Nathan turns right around and says, your sins are forgiven. Not that he had the power, but he's just speaking on behalf of God. So if you did it, just admit it. And turn around, relook your vision and your purpose. And realize that that really wasn't the perfect plan. That really wasn't the perfect plan. Y'all get anything out of this? Okay, I'm a, thank you, thank you. I'm going to need a little help. I need a little help. Um, can somebody move this back for me? I need a little music too. I'm going to need a little music. Come on, y'all. I'm, I'm getting my perfect plan together. I don't hear no music. Hmm? I need something. mighty quiet in here. No, that was perfect. I was absolutely perfect. Thank you. Now, you all, I just spent a lot of time getting together my perfect plan. I will make this promise, though. Nobody in here is going to die, okay? (laughs) Nobody's going to die. So, here it is. I've got a fly in my house that I can't, hmm? I can't hear you. 
Oh, no, 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 no. You're good. Thank you. I've got a fly in my house I need to get rid of. And he's, he's very devious. He's a big fly, too. All right? So I, I don't really want to kill him. I just want him handcuffed and, and had the police come and get him out of my house. So what I've done is I've devised a plan. And, you know, I, flies have all these eyes so they can see all around them. I've devised a plan to catch him, but not to kill him. So here's my plan. I'm going to take this tube and place this ball in this tube. What will happen is when I see the fly coming, the ball will hit the tube. will roll down the tube. The tube will hit one stick. This stick will hit that stick. That stick will hit that stick. This stick will fall down and hit the board. It will teeter up, make the ball fall off the top of here, roll up here, once this lays and lays on here, the ball hits that. This will actually slide down. It's not going to break it. And the net will fall and catch the fly. Pastor Wendy was like, what are you doing? I heard the alarm go off in the house. I shut the alarm off and she's, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to come up with something. So I spent a lot of time. Whew. And, and the Lord usually gifts Are y'all laughing at me or with me? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. Tell it to somebody else. Okay? I spent a lot of time trying to figure this out. And I thank God for the ability to honor this perfect plan. So, y'all ready? Okay. What do y'all want to say? On the mark, you set, go. Huh? What's, what's the magic word? Just drop it. Y'all ready? Okay, it didn't come out. Maybe it needs to go in through this thing. All right, y'all ready? Okay, let's do it again. What? Perfect plan ain't working. I went through all of this, and the perfect plan ain't working. Who was the wisest man that ever lived? Solomon. And Solomon says in, in Proverbs 3, chapter, or chapter 3, verse 5, it says, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your, prop, your path. I can't even get started on my perfect plan because I didn't acknowledge God. The Bible says also that if a man goes to war, excuse me, if a man builds a tower, doesn't he first count up the cost? Okay, so let's, let's, let's see if this part of my plan will work. Oh, well, everything fell. I didn't count up the cost. Because guess what? This part of my plan wasn't lined up with that part of my plan. Because that board was supposed to hit that board and make the rest of it go. So y'all ain't doing me no good. Get out of my way, y'all. Stupid boys. Okay, so let's, let's keep going with my plan. So then I'm going to hit this board and make that ball fall and roll up. Right? Mother, mother, you can call me, you don't have to call me pastor, right? You can call me Robert and tell me, okay, are you Nathan or are you Joab? You're Nathan. Because David was good at telling Joab what to do, but he also had to have a Nathan in his life to tell him what he needed to do. 
Stop telling people who are weakening you how they should be doing their life and start listening to people who are stronger than you to tell you how you live your life. And I liken this unto a man who built his house who didn't heed the words that I said and built his house upon the sand. And the winds came and the storm blew and great was the fall of it. So I'm going to step up on this and guess what? It's, I got a believer. Hallelujah, I have a believer in the house. <laughs> Behold the green and gold. Peace out. Two piece. And a biscuit. But, but what's going, what in the world, if that didn't line up back there, what makes me think that this, say what mother? It's going to line up. It can't roll up. There is not enough force to make that roll up. Wow. So that part of my plan didn't work. Thank y'all. Excuse me. Thank y'all. So if it, if it goes up here. And my whole plan is just. My whole plan is just. Just falling apart. And, and still ain't catching that fly. The fly sitting there steadily laughing, and, and he gone by now. And even if it lands on him, you think that big old net's going to catch that fly? We can come up with all kind of plans. <laughs> but you see, you see how long it took me just to set that up? If they would, and I didn't cue them ahead of time, but if they would have known, they could have sang a whole song in the time it took me to set that up. And all the effort I put into it, oh, this is, this is going to work. I'm going to get that promotion. Well, you didn't go to the training that your job requires. You spent time in the break room and time trying to, let's just call it what it is, sucking up to the boss, hanging out with your friends, coming into work late. But then it's like, come time for a promotion. Oh, I, I got the perfect plan. Me and the golf, me and the boss, we go play golf together. We like, we're both Redskins fans and all kinds of things. But whose perfect plan is it? Was there a lot of vision and purpose put into this? I, I had a vision. And the purpose was to catch that fly. But I went about it the wrong way. 